Uh, I'm Tom Schurz from uh, the Medina Church. Um, I know some of you probably know more of your parents than uh, actually knowing you. Um, the forum title today is If the Truth Sets Me Free, Why Do I Feel So Trapped? And um, uh, you may have been wondering about that. Hopefully, by the end, you won't be wondering about that. But hopefully, I'll be raising some other questions uh, that you'll be thinking about as you leave. Uh, before we start, let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we come to you this morning because we do have questions. And Father, we realize that you are the God who knows all. You're the God who created us. And you know us better than we know ourselves. Father, we ask this morning that you would uh, open our hearts. Father, give me the words to express thoughts that you have given to me. Father, that they could be understood, that they could be uh, used in, in the lives of these young people to help them understand you and themselves and be more useful to you. Father, uh, give us the concentration we need. Give us the, uh, the communication we need now to bring glory and honor to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> the, um, the title is really based on, uh, on John 8.32. If I get used to the mouse, we'll actually go where we want to go. John 8, 32, uh, when Jesus was talking to those that actually believed him, it says, and, and when Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free, uh, even those people said, what do you mean? We're free. We've never been slaves. Uh, how can we be free? Um, and so we, freedom means different things to, to different uh, ones of us. But uh, even the ones that Jesus said it to uh, didn't really realize what he, what he meant at first. I'm not an expert on, on thinking. I'm not an expert on, on, on the mind and, and, uh, and how the mind works. But in the last uh, year and a half, two years, uh, the Lord has brought some people into my life um, that made me ask some questions uh, um, at work. Uh, there are couple after couple that are getting divorced. And I'm sure among your friends at school um, and everything, you've seen this too. Uh, divorces have become very common. And uh, in, in ministers' meetings, uh, it's, it's been expressed, you know, well, they come to us for marriage counseling, but by the time they come, it's too late. There's just little success in counseling. And some of the people that, that have come into, into my life in the last couple of years have raised questions. You know, these people really want to do something. But they, they can't seem to, to, to do it. They know what's right to do, but they don't do it. And even the Apostle Paul wrote, you know, I, I do uh, what I don't want to do, and what I want to do, I can't. And um, as, as I've uh, looked at some of these things and, and tried to figure out what's going on, how can we help those who seem to be stuck someplace uh, how can we help them move on, and, and how can we become the people God really wants us to be? Uh, and as I said, I'm not an expert. Uh, I'm in the middle of, of learning myself, and I'm hoping that maybe what I can share can help you get a head start on maybe some of the things that I'm only, only working on now. As I've uh, gotten into this, I've, I've become even more convinced that, yes, God does have answers. Yes, there is healing. Uh, and there is hope uh, for even those who, who are very, very hopeless at this point. Okay, first of all, I want to uh, define shame and guilt. And um, uh, with some specific meanings, uh, as people use them generally, maybe, maybe the, you think they're synonymous um, but I want to make some specific distinctions uh, for our discussion here and uh, talk about uh, uh, living in, in a, a shame-based cycle. I want to talk about then uh, the, the real truth and um, then I want to, to ask you to, to um, uh, respond to some of that in growing in grace uh, for uh, putting some of the, the ideas I've shared 
into practice as, as you help me look at, at some of those things. So um, we look at shame-based cycles and then the real truth and then growing in grace. Okay, the distinction between shame and guilt. Uh, on the shame side, we might be thinking uh, as we experience things, as we go through life, I am bad. You know, there, there, there's something wrong with me. I think it become clear as we talk about more here. Uh, versus on the guilt side, I did something wrong. When the Bible talks about guilt, it talks about some, some action, uh, some decision, some, some uh, uh, behavior that, that we have done, uh, that we've chosen to do, that is wrong. And uh, versus ourselves being bad. That may seem like a fine distinction, but, uh, but there, there is a difference. Uh, on the shame side again, I am defective. Okay? Notice the focus is on, on myself and, and what I'm worth um, uh, on the shame side. Uh, and as, as I thought about one, uh, one uh, scripture we've studied recently, it's about, uh, about Saul in, in our Bible classes at home maybe. And Saul was, was selected as, as a king when the, when the uh, Israelites asked for a king. Uh, God said, told Samuel to anoint Saul. And, and, and as Samuel came to the people and said, you know, we're going, God has, is going to select a king. They had the different uh, tribes and families come. And it finally came down. It was determined in Saul's family. Saul was missing. Where was Saul? It says he was hiding among the stuff. He was hiding among the baggage, I don't know, the tents, the um, supplies, whatever. But Saul was hiding. He had already been anointed. He knew that God had selected him. When it was time to, to, to step up, Saul was hiding. Okay? He didn't feel he could do what God had, had called him to do. He felt, he felt defective. He felt unable uh, to fulfill what God had called him to. Uh, on the guilt side, and again, these don't necessarily match across, but uh, on the guilt side, uh, we might be, might be thinking, I hurt someone, and obviously we hurt each other, okay? But that's, again, behavior, something we do. Um, and Jesus uh, tells us that it's very important, uh, the relationships with each other, not just with God. He said, if you're going to come and, and, and make a sacrifice to me, bring your gift to the altar, and he said, if you remember that, that you've hurt someone, you've done something that, that has hurt someone, uh, they have something uh, uh, against you, or, or they have bad feelings towards you because of something you've done, he said, don't, don't bother making the sacrifice. Don't, don't bother giving me a gift, but go and make that right first. And so, uh, Jesus is saying there is reconciliation. There is the, the potential for us to be reconciled. We can undo, and not necessarily undo, but we can, uh, can remedy the hurt. Over here, there's no remedy for this, and we can get stuck in this. Behavior, we can remedy. Uh, we can't always undo all the consequences of the, of the choices we made, the behavior that we've done, uh, but there are remedies there. How many times have you thought, I should have? Or I should not have done this, okay? That's on, on the shame side because, again, we're focusing on, you know, if I had really been good enough, uh, if I had been what I'm supposed to be, this, you know, I wouldn't have done this, okay? So again, it's, there are a lot, of, a lot of shoulds. Watch out for shoulds. And we talk to, us, to ourselves all the time, right? I should do my homework, okay? If I were really, uh, really who I'm supposed to be, if I'm, if I'm really worth something, I would be able to do the things I'm supposed to do. And, and so it, we're actually shaming ourselves, and we can, uh, that doesn't help us uh, get out of it. I can be forgiven. Okay, so not only do we need to recognize that, that uh, uh, we uh, can ask others for forgiveness, but we ourselves then uh, can be forgiven for our behavior. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Again, God says there's a remedy. There's a remedy for sin. And uh, so we can, uh, we're not stuck there. On the guilt side, 
there's remedies. On the shame side, there's not, because I'm defective. There's something wrong with me. I feel worthless. What came to mind there? If you remember, uh, uh, Abraham and Sarah got impatient for God's promise to be fulfilled of, of an heir to Abraham. They, uh, Abraham had a child by Hagar, the Egyptian servant of his wife. And uh, as things went on and, and Isaac was actually born the fulfillment of the promise, uh, there was bad blood. And between uh, uh, Hagar's son and Sarah's son, there still is today. We're seeing conflict in the Middle of East because that goes clear back to this. But Hagar was basically given a bottle of water and some food and said, goodbye. Super rejection. She goes out in the desert. She eventually throws the, her son under a bush and walks away so she doesn't have to hear him as he's crying and suffering and dying. And I think to die herself was her attitude. Okay? Feeling, feeling very worthless, uh, rejected, unwanted. Um, and I remember as a teenager, you know, many times, having these feelings, I still struggle with them today at times. Um, and, and so we need to find out uh, how to move uh, and look at the other side more than concentrating on the shame. Uh, again, uh, I can also forgive the other side of that forgiveness too, as if, uh, you know, we're told if we remember that we hurt somebody, we go to them. And God says, if someone has hurt us, don't wait for us, for them to come to us. God's worried about reconciliation, about us loving each other and, and, and relationships. And so he said, you know, if someone has hurt you, don't let it sit there and fester. Go and fix it, okay? There are remedies for uh, our behavior that we hurt ourselves and hurt others. So um, um, basically no remedy. We get stuck there. This is where... The remedies are. So we've defined the difference between shame and guilt, um, basically our, our value or lack of value for ourself, and uh, separating that from our actual behavior. Our minds are, are really powerful, and, and we need to really, uh, really start there. Uh, God has made our, our minds... Uh, very wonderfully. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. But we've got an upper brain uh, which really distinguishes us uh, from the animals. Uh, the extent of our upper brain, the capacity of our upper brain, uh, the size of our upper brain exceeds that of, of, lower anim of the other animals. Um, and, and other animals have, have lower brains. The lower brains are where uh, I mean, that's what keeps us breathing, uh, keeps our heart beating, when we don't think about it. Uh, and uh, we don't have to consciously decide uh, to do many things. The upper brain uh, is the conscious, what we're aware of, um, and um, uh, the decisions we actually make. Uh, you might want to call uh, the upper brain, especially parts of the upper brain, like the CEO of a company that directs uh, you know, the rest of the body how to act. And, uh, we have the capacity to, for our brain to learn things so they come automatic. Okay? I start driving someplace that I drive all the time, and I don't really think about everything that I'm doing. In fact, I may start thinking about something else, and you know, the, the uh, subconscious part of my brain is still seeing everything, hearing everything, and going that way. In fact, sometimes when I really want to go someplace else, and it's, it's a similar start to, to something I do all the time, Okay? The subconscious kicks in and it goes there, and I may go where I usually go instead of where I wanted to go. But the subconscious uh, part of our brain starts taking in information uh, even before birth. Uh, subconscious is actually active, gathering information uh, the last three months of pregnancy. And, and so it's a, it's a giant storehouse. We're not aware it's there, but it affects very much uh, how our body reacts and, and, and how um, uh, the decisions that are made. And the, the brain makes decisions in the unconscious area as well as in the conscious area. And we can surrender control from that conscious. Uh, you know, the subconscious area is still going to make 
make decisions. And so um, um, that affects uh, very much what we do. If we let the subconscious control, we're going to be limited to everything that we've built up, and which we'll, we'll see as we get, get along a little, little further. And uh, basically, what we, what we perceive, what we take in by our senses, and how we evaluate that, uh, that, is, that is our truth. Now, if, if I'm in a room and someone tells me that there's a lion around in this dark room, and suddenly I hear a low growl, some hot breath on the back of my neck, and some whiskers brushing up against my neck, I'm going to think the lion's behind me. Now, to my brain and what my brain is doing, it makes no difference whether that's really a lion or not. If the brain says that's a lion, because what I know about lions, I'm going to react as if that really was a lion. So well, how we perceive things is our truth, and we act on that, whether it's really reality or not. <clears throat> so a lot of things happen in our mind. Um, we talk about the, the negative side of the shame cycle first, but um, we, we have to start always from an outside source. Uh, when we're born, like I said, even before we're born, our unconscious brain starts gathering information uh, and as, uh, as, we, as we grow, there are, uh, we're always getting out, outside information that's coming in. Um, there's a man named Erickson that, that has done research on different stages of development. And so as we go through life, there are different areas of our brain that develop. Uh, in the first years of childhood, the brain uh, develops immensely, and uh, uh, there are changes throughout. Uh, years zero to two, um, is uh, uh, the first, first stage that Erickson came up with. And, and basically, that's baby just getting its, its basic needs may, met. And, and the, 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 the dilemma there that the, the, base, the, the baby is developing, the young child in that area, is, is trust versus mistrust. Okay? So how the mother holds the infant. You know, is the infant afraid of being dropped all the time? Are they neglected? Does, the, does that infant learn that you know, if my diaper is dirty or if I'm hungry and I cry, does that get my needs met? Or does it learn, you know, I've been hungry a long time and nobody cares about me. It doesn't do any good to, to let somebody know what my needs are because they're not going to pay any attention to them anyway. And so depending on how, uh, what kind of uh, responses the infant gets to, to its cries for, for help, for, for food, for diaper change, whatever, uh, already we're starting to develop uh, you know, a sense of, uh, can we trust our world around us? Is this a safe place or not? Uh, and that, that develops a, a, a virtue of hope in us. Okay? So someone who is raised, uh, even in the early years, that gets broken down, the needs are not met. They may be a very hopeless person. They may not have much hope for, for, for something good to happen. And that's, that's largely met in a maternal relationship. Uh, mother, mother is super critical. That's, that's no secret. I think we, we can see that. Uh, as the child gets a little older, uh, as they begin playing, uh, as they, they go through uh, uh, some additional learning, uh, autonomy is self-rule. Okay? So they're working on autonomy versus shame or doubt. Okay? Autonomy, as they learn to walk, as they become potty trained, okay? they learn they can control themselves. So that's, one of, that's, that's what we're talking about, uh, autonomy. They believe they are a separate per They come to know that they are a separate person from their mother. A small baby, they really don't know they're separate yet. Okay? And this is two to three is when, when you, they start being able to determine they are separate. Um, and as, as they uh, are allowed to um, uh, develop here and, and investigate things, they find out that they are separate from, from their mother. Um, and and uh, the virtue developed is will here, that we have, we learn that we can, uh, you know, express um, our own desire, our will. Uh, and I'm sure we've heard of the terrible twos. That's all part of it. That's, you know, the child starting to develop this uh, uh, in, in, a balanced in a balanced environment. Um, 
God has designed us for that to come out well. Um, that doesn't always happen. Again, it's, it's still parental uh, relationships where that's, that's developed. Three to five, initi uh, initiative versus guilt. Um, as a child is allowed to make some decisions for themselves, um, they, they find out that, that you know, they, they can take initiative. They can, they can decide to do things or, or, or not decide to do things um, and that their decisions are important. They can begin to, to um, direct their lives to a degree. Um, if, if they're always told you can't do anything or, or by the actions of the parents that uh, you can't do anything and that is suppressed, uh, it may uh, have a lifelong effect of, of someone not wanting to learn or, 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 or uh, uh, not enjoying learning. And it may go back to that point where the child was never allowed to start to investigate and, and grow in that area. And, and so that uh, uh, you develop a, uh, in, in uh, the previous uh, uh, as well as this, um, Two to three, we have listed there, shame and doubt. Uh, the child, uh, if they're never allowed to, to, uh, to become themselves, uh, they're, they're, they're actually shamed because they learn that you know, nobody has time for them um, and, and they uh, uh, you know, begin to think, even at that early age, there's something wrong with me. Um, particularly in the three to five area. Uh, you may have seen this in, in some families around you, uh, but in, in divorce, what do the children do? They think, it's my fault, mommy and daddy are getting divorced. And they take the blame for it. Uh, that's part of this guilt. We, they, the child this young doesn't really have the ability to reason um, and, and figure things out, and they just assume that they're guilty for things that go wrong in their world when, when it may have nothing to do with them. Uh, and, th and at this time period, uh, we develop a virtue, a purpose. So, you know, I have a, I have a, there's meaning to my life. There's a reason I'm here. Uh, I, can, I can have effect on the world around me, and, and uh, I'm recognized, I'm appreciated, and I can, uh, I can do things. Uh, and that's uh, met in, uh, or fostered in family relationships. Uh, five to 12. Um, you begin developing skills and honing, you know, what your interests are. Uh, you know, how many times through that, through that age period did we, you know, we wanted to be a fireman because we saw a fireman. Uh, we wanted to be a teacher because maybe we had a good teacher. We wanted, wanted to be this or that. And how many times we changed? Well, that's all part of the process of, of examining, you know, what we're really interested in, what, uh, uh, by, by what we've seen. And then as, as we uh, go through that, uh, we, we learn we can develop uh, competence. Uh, again, if, if that is not um, done in a positive way, uh, we develop an inferior, inferiority uh, about ourselves that you know, we haven't really learned, that I can do things. Uh, again, you know, if we're always told uh, you know, we should have done it better than we did it, or you can't do anything right, all these messages affect how we, uh, how we uh, live later. And uh, that's met through the neighborhood. Now, if you, know, as you go if you notice as you go down, first it was the mother, uh, we moved to the parents, then we moved to the family, now we're moving to the neighborhood. So our circle of influence, our circle of, of input for these stages of development is, is widening. Um, we move to the teen years, we start to, to uh, develop you know, who we really are. Uh, identity versus role confusion or identity confusion. And so the, uh, uh, our ideas of, of, of sexual roles, as, as roles in society, as uh, how we function in a group, and, and we can see that our, you know, as we spread out, uh, it's kind of a specialization, specialization of our neighborhood, but peers become an important part of that as we, as we uh, learn what fidelity is, being true to a group. Okay? And this can be threatening to parents, depending where we are at that point, but it's a natural growth process as the child begins uh, actually to become an individual. Uh, in, in the late uh, 5 to 12 area, our brains make a, a drastic change in their chemistry. We start to see some of the 
sexual characteristics developing in on the outside uh, during, during adolescence, uh, but there's also a huge change in the chemistry of the brain that makes us able to think in a different way. Apostle Paul wrote that when he was a child, he thought as a child. When he became a man, he thought as a man. There's a definite difference. Children be below uh, 8 to 10 or so cannot really reason. Okay? And so a lot of the teaching deals with rules and boundaries and, and parents setting up walls to protect their children because you can't reason with a child you know, about touching the stove, a small child. You just tell them, don't touch the stove to protect them. And that changes as we get into this. As, 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 uh, as we can reason, the, the Jews, uh, it's not in the Bible, but the, by Jewish practice, they, you've heard of, of bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs where the, the, uh, uh, the girls at age 12, the boys um, at age 13 were, uh, were actually recognized as uh, becoming an adult. And there was a ceremony and, and uh, um, they didn't, that wasn't the end of, of turning into adult in Jewish, Jewish society um, as like when we reach 18 or 21, suddenly we're an adult because there was mentoring that, that happened over a long period up to age 30 generally um, until they were considered a fully an adult. That's why Jesus started teaching when he was 30. Not that he couldn't have taught before, but society at that time would not have accepted him as a teacher until he was 30. Um, so this, this pulling away often unnerves us parents because we feel we're losing control. But that's actually the direction needs to move. And actually, the father at a bar mitzvah, uh, the blessing that's, part of the blessing that's said is, Father, I thank you that I'm no longer responsible for this boy's sins. Okay? So there's a responsibility that goes along with these privileges now, too. Now, it doesn't matter. You know, a lot of damage you may have done, dirt, er, done earlier. You may have supposedly a lot of excuses why you are the way you are. But guess what? As your mind changes, you're, you have the ability to make your own decisions. Guess what? It's now our responsibility uh, to take over those. And we can't say, um, you know, I can't help myself. Um, I, was, I was damaged before. As we reach, go to the later, uh, later teen years uh, and actually uh, up into toward middle age, um, intimacy versus isolation. Uh, we learn how to really be intimate, have very close relationships, um, uh, virtue of love with partners, uh, our, our spouse, uh, maybe some close business relationships with, with partners. Uh, and where this was kind of spreading out before, now we get kind of a deepening of relationships. And uh, love is the virtue there. Or we can say, this is not all worth it, uh, I, you know, I can't trust anybody else. I'm just going to go off by myself and, and isolate myself. So they're, they're, uh, if these stages are not met, there's, that's where the dysfunction is, is, is met. Uh, and stages can be shown, demonstrated clear up on through death uh, as, as, uh, um, as we, we age further. We're not going to bother talking too much about those now. I know that seems a long way off for, for all of you. But we continue to develop. We're not grown up yet. At 15 or 18 or 35 or 50, I'm still growing, and God is still working with me. Okay, so that's the outside source. We, we start with an outside source, and there, there continue to be outside sources that influence us. Okay, we receive a message that shames. You know, you should do this. You should have done this. Um, um, all kinds of messages that, that we receive. Uh, those go into our mind and actually are processed through our belief system. Um, and our belief system, uh, basically as we hear these messages, you may have heard, children should be seen and not heard okay, at a very early age. Uh, what will people think? If you do that, what will people think if, if you're dressed like that? And, you know, at Sunday school we sing, Jesus loves you. Okay, so there's that, that part comes in too. Uh, I have a right to feel this way. Go to church. 
Uh, we receive criticism. Uh, we learn things about criticism. Nice people don't do that. Nice people don't talk like that. Uh, nice people uh, treat their parents better. You know, God won't like you if you do that. God won't like you if, 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 uh, uh, if you get upset, if you don't do this. Be good. I'm, I'm sure all of you have heard that. Don't get angry. Right? Christians don't get angry. If you haven't heard that, maybe you've, you've learned that just by seeing things. And, you know, we don't think about all these things, messages coming in, but messages kind of sneak in, and we learn things about gossip. Uh, maybe we've been taught one thing about gossip, but everything we see and experience actually is different from what the words we hear, and we may have some different values in our belief system than, and so we build this whole belief system that all of the messages that are coming in get filtered through. Okay? Your belief system is different than mine, and so in the same situation, you perceive what has happened, what is happening, what people are saying, different maybe from what I do. And so that, that's a filter of, of all, all that. As, as we go back to, the, to that message then, uh, that's filtered through the belief system, processed in the mind, we make some kind of decision. It may be a conscious decision, it may be an unconscious decision that we just surrender. We, we're experiencing a lot of pain, and, and based on things that have happened before, a similar situation, we may not, may not consciously decide something. But we, we make a decision. Uh, someone is tailgating someone else. They get angry. And, and we, get, uh, we get violence on the, on the road because and it's road rage. And if you talk to that person, he'll, he'll, he'll probably say he never decided anything. It just happened. That other person made him angry. There were many, many thought processes that went on in that, in that, in that meantime. Before he decided to, to ram the car or shoot the guy or whatever, there are a lot of thought processes that went on. And, and so we make a decision. We may uh, decide to, to, to do some negative behavior as a result of this. Somebody says something about us that hurts us. We snap back at them. We we uh, 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 really tear them down because if they're tearing us down, we're going to tear them down. And, and that negative behavior uh, will just uh, build into that messages of shame. We know we shouldn't say that about them, but we just did. And I shouldn't have done that. And we go all back to that shaming side again. And those, that negative behavior also feeds back to the outside source. And the outside source says, I knew you couldn't do it. I knew you'd be, you can't change, you'll never be change. Okay? And so that just reinforces that. And, and this is a, um, a negative shame cycle that uh, people in, in depression and, and everything else get trapped in. There is a, a positive shame cycle. Uh, again, we, we get the uh, input coming in, we make a decision uh, actually for some kind of positive behavior. Okay? Because we're, maybe we're afraid of what people will think. Uh, we go ahead and, and work much harder than, we, uh, than God has really called us to do uh, at work and everything else. Uh, well, we do a good job, and, and the boss likes us because we do a good job. And so, so that feeds back and, and, and cycles, and we, and we keep working really hard because we don't want people to, we don't want to fail. We don't want people to think that, that we can't do something. And so we're driven by that to, to keep up the image, to keep up that, that good behavior. We keep trying harder and trying harder so that, that people don't really find out that we feel we're so insecure, that we feel we're not worth anything. We keep working to show, you know, trying harder so that people don't find out how empty we feel inside. Um, and we call that positive uh, because of the positive behavior. Even when we've got good behavior, it still doesn't feel positive. It still doesn't feel good because we're still, it's still a shame message. If I don't perform, they're not going to like me. I'm not going to have any value. <clears throat> okay. Now, sometimes coaches will do this. You know, if, if you don't perform, if you don't play for me, you know, what kind of wimps are you? There's something wrong with you if you don't perform. How many teams have you seen 
after something happened to maybe a teammate died, a teammate, you know, something happened to a teammate, uh, or maybe even a coach. Uh, which which team would you rather play? A team who's playing because their coach is angry at them, or because they're playing because they loved another player and they're identifying with that. Which team's harder to defeat? One that's playing because of the love? You'll see them accomplish a lot more uh, than if they're playing out of, out of, out of, fear, of fear of failure. And so we, you know, somebody may get trapped on the negative side. Uh, somebody may stay on the positive side, an executive that exceeds really well. Uh, of course, now if that executive, he gets later into life, and he actually starts failing. Uh, he can go over here and really take a nosedive. But we get trapped, sometimes failing. Maybe we'll come back over here, we'll try harder for a while, then we fail again, then we're over here. And it may get stuck there for a long time, and we don't understand why. Well, God has uh, a much better alternative. as grace, again, we're, you know, our belief system, our decision, uh, is, is, is where it all starts. Um, and if we get tired of being in that shame system where, you know, there's something wrong with me. I'm not going to let anybody know. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to be something that everybody recognizes that, that I'm okay. We can get tired of that. And so we go to a new source. Instead of depending on what everybody else is saying about us, even what we're telling ourselves, we decide, I need, a, I, I need some other answer. Okay? And we can go to a new source based on God's performance, not based on my performance. Not based on whether I fail, whether I succeed, but God's performance. Uh, Romans 5.10, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Okay. We go to the source of God's truth. God says we can be reconciled. We are reconciled if we put faith in, in Jesus Christ. So based on the new source, uh, we, we look at new messages, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not works, lest any man should boast. It's not about what we can do, whether good or bad. It's what, what God has done, uh, just as it was read in, in, in Romans 5, 10. 1 Corinthians 2.16, For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Something miraculous. Not something that I learned to have the mind of Christ, but Jesus said, if I go away, I send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit working in us actually brings about the mind of Christ in us. So we've got to believe the truth that God says about himself and about us that can result in consistent behavior. We're not doing something because we're afraid we're going to fail. We're not doing something because we're afraid of what someone else will think. We're doing something based on the truth of, of God. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, that, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Not conformed to this world, but renewed by the, uh, transformed by the renewing of our minds that we prove what is good and acceptable perfect will of God. Again, not doing it so that God accepts us. God has already accepted us. He's given us a new mind as we focus on his truth. Okay? We, uh, we then can decide, he's done all this for me. I'm going to trust him then to have this come out uh, in my new life, exercising the new thinking patterns that he's giving me. Ephesians 1.4, um, God has, has blessed us with blessings in heavenly uh, places, and he tells us he has chosen us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blaming him in love, having predestinated us. Okay, he chose us before we failed, before we succeeded, he chose us. It's not based on what we do, how we perform. Um, 
he adopts us, and uh, he's made us accepted. Yeah? Not based on our performance, but based on his performance. And so we can start a cycle where we renew our mind through God's truth, we can actually be free. Not depending on whether we succeed or fail, what standards we've set up, what other standards other people have set up for us. Now, it'd be nice to think, uh, when I'm converted, this is where I stay. Guess what? That'd be great. And hopefully, we can learn to stay up in this area more and more as we grow in Christ. But we still, because of who we are, because of all the past history we've had, we tend to slip down into those shame cycles again. Now, as we grow, hopefully we're slipping down less and we come back to the truth. You see, we get so tired in those shame cycles, we get broken. And as someone shares the truth with me or shares the truth with you and, and we begin to believe that there might be some other way, out of our brokenness, we come to God and say, God, I can't do it. I need to accept what you've done for me. And the sooner we recognize that as we start to get down to those shame cycles again, the more consistently we can stay up here, the more consistently we can be who God already views us as, who he's, he's uh, recognized us to be. Okay, let's go back to that belief system again. Uh, based on what we've talked about, I need some help. These, this belief system that, that I've developed from messages that I've heard, I need to change some of these things. Um, we looked at how, how uh, children develop. Children should be seen and not heard. Is that true? What do you think? Should I rely on that? Children just sit around, be quiet. Is that how God made children to be as they're exploring and learning things? Okay. You know, I still suffer from this today, I think. I think I learned that very well as a kid. I learned to sit and be quiet. But today I have trouble speaking out when God wants me to speak out. Okay, so I need to let God replace this belief with, with his truth. Okay? So okay, I, if I rip that out, so I was very concerned, what do people think? Uh, what are others in the church? Uh, what's the other family going to think if, if you do this? Is that God's truth? Should we be concerned about what other people think? Yes and no. Okay. What do you mean? Okay. We're to please God and not men. Okay. We can cause confusion and division by not caring about anybody else. God has set up, uh, and we looked at, at, at the stages of development. God has set that up. You know, the, our, our neighborhood and community, that's, that's all part of the church, and God has designed that as a support system. Okay? So some of this is good, and some of this is bad. But if this controls us, if what people think about us is more important to us than what God thinks about us, it can be very damaging. And then I decide, you know, I should... You know, I, I, it's easy to say, right? I should talk to this person, right? I should witness this person about Christ. So that's shaming already, right? I should do this. I know I should, should do it. Well, God tells us that's, that's something that, that he wants us to do. But I have trouble talking to that person because I've learned it's very important. I want people to like me. And if I talk to this person about Christ, he might not like me. And suddenly that becomes more important 
than what God has asked me to do. Okay, so I need to replace that. I start pulling these foundation blocks out. What happens to my structure? Okay, it starts to lean. It gets shaky. I become afraid. This doesn't feel good. Guess what? When you ask, when you come into contact with other people and you ask them to think about their belief systems and what their life is based on, they feel shaky and scared too. Well, that shouldn't stop us from, from making the changes that God wants us to make to change. But, um, you know, that, that can give us some sensitivity. You know, you can't rip out the whole foundation of a, of a house. There needs to be some propping up while you're doing that, maybe. And, and you know, we can prop each other up uh, by our, the love and the care we have for each other. And as we learn that, that somebody is really concerned about us, that feels a lot different if they say, we need to remove this block. Well, we're going to hold you up. We're going to support you. We're not rejecting you. And somebody just comes along and kicks it out. And, you know, you're not very good. You need to change this. So how we approach people uh, and how we approach ourselves even with change in our lives. Uh, but change always feels, uh, feels bad. It's scary. Go to church. Is that truth I should base my life on? Go to church. This is what you do on Sunday. Does that belong in my belief system? Depends on your motive. Okay. So, how does that work? If we're doing it because of God's truth, God has, has changed, uh, he's changing our minds, he's changing how we see ourselves because of we learn how God sees us through Jesus Christ. We want to go to worship, that's something different than if we go because somebody else is going to think there's something wrong with you if you're not in church. Okay, and again, God may want me to do something else. He may want me to reach out to somebody else that Sunday morning. And if I'm worried about what people are going to think if I'm not in church than where God is telling me to reach out to somebody else. And I'm not saying that it's, you know, we should, that shouldn't be something important for us to be because the, the gathering of believers and the support we, we receive in church is, is very important. Uh, but again, the motive. Why are we doing it? Are we Are going it because people expect us to or are we going to worship God? Criticism. Well, that's bad if we tell each other what's wrong with us, right? We shouldn't be shaming each other right? What? Correct? Okay. So everything is fine. I'm never going to tell you anything that's going to hurt you. I'm not going to tell you anything that's, that upsets you because it's wrong to criticize. Okay. Sometimes it's correction. What's the difference between correction and criticism? Okay, so we can do it in a very shaming way. There's something wrong with it. Don't you know any better than to dress like that? Or, hey, I'm really concerned. I don't think you understand how, you know, what this does to the guys. Guys, you know, we do things that, that may affect the girls. We don't understand that. So we as friends can go in a way that's helping. And again, it's that love and support. It's the valuing, okay, if we understand that God loves us accepts us through Jesus Christ, we can accept others, not because they're perfect and all okay. God has built in, you know, the support of each other. That's where the strength is. God often works through other people. 
And so as we're rebuilding this, other people can be very key. We may need them to help support us as we go through, through some of these stages of rebuilding. What about be good? Is that truth? Is that right or wrong? Should that be part of my belief system that I need to be good? We've all heard it, right? We've probably even said it to other people. Again, the focus of, of not our being good, but relying on God's goodness. And God's goodness in us um, uh, will come out through us as, as the Holy Spirit works in us. So this is scary. Probably not an area where, you two, where people have thought about much yet. and may not think about for a while. But knowing about you know, our belief systems and thinking about that and it will help us to understand um, uh, you know, why when somebody says something, Okay, we immediately get defensive. Okay? If we're feeling bad about ourselves, if we think, well, you know, this person doesn't think well of me, we're going to react in a different way than if we're confident that God accepts us. And if we understand that they have belief systems, they have shame issues that maybe they're dealing with. And just because they're yelling at you may just be because you happen to be there and, and you're not the problem at all. Okay? We may be pushed back to that, that three to five year old stage where we think that everything is my problem. There must be something wrong with me if that person is upset. No. As we learn God's truth, we learn to accept that we're not perfect, others are not perfect, and we can start to hear where, where they're coming from with that, where their pain is. I've become very encouraged, very hopeful, even for the hard stuff. God is able to do. We may not understand it. It may take a while till we get to the point that we, uh, we can understand how to work that through that in our, in our own lives, maybe how to help the other person. But as we're willing to submit to God, as we're willing to go to him in that broken state and admit, I don't know what to do about it. I don't know how to fix it. But God, you do. He can begin to show us the truth. If we still feel trapped, that's evidence we haven't replaced our shame-based thinking, our defective uh, thought process with God's truth. We think it's true, but it's not. Um, thank you very much. We're time. I hope that has given you a little more perspective. <laughs>